0: Love is big as the world. God's love is a big love. And we're going to be unpacking that together. And Brook Kids, I hope you guys enjoy this. So kiddos, all right, last thing for you, Brooke Kids, as you're sitting here listening to the sermon, I'd love for you to take a piece of paper out and draw a picture, as normal, of what I'm teaching and have whoever brought you today post it on Facebook or Instagram so we can see your drawing of my sermon, all right? Extra credit if you draw a portrait of me. All right, this is the second busiest travel time of the year. Um, first uh, it would be Thanksgiving, and second would be Christmas. Um, our, our other pastor here on staff, Jeremy, is from Florida originally. He went out to Florida a couple days ago. And so this morning I took a picture of the snow, and I said, Jeremy, this is Chicago right now. What does it look like where you're at? He responded, he said, I wasn't going to do this to you, but you asked for it. Palm trees, blue skies, and green grass. Little turkey. You make sure you make them pay for that, right? It it is the busiest travel time of the year, but isn't it also pretty fitting that the busiest travel time of the year would reflect the departure and arrival of someone else? See, Jesus departed his throne in heaven to arrive on this earth. And his arrival is of greater significance than anybody who comes to visit anywhere. He arrived on this airport of life, if you will, and he came with a message that our spiritual illness was terminal. We've been bogged down by the baggage of sin. This is a beautiful Christmas story that we are going to unpack today. You know, I've been a pastor for almost 10 years now, and this is probably about my 20th Christmas sermon I've ever preached. And I've known of other pastors who've been pastoring a lot longer than me, and they're up in the area of a 100 Christmas sermons. And uh, every year, you try to think about, as a preacher, how, how can we package this in such a way to keep it fresh, but keep it true and honest and to the point? And, uh, you know, I was reading an article this past week that reminded me of this very thing, that we need to keep sharing with each other what Christmas is all about. You know, it's kind of like looking at a sculpture. You ever been to the art museum? or you've been to a park where there's a beautiful sculpture. And you know that if you look at it dead on, you see a perspective of it. But you can get closer, you see more detail, and you can walk around it, and you see more. But at the end of the day, what you're looking at is one sculpture, isn't it? And that's what it feels like when I preach the Christmas message. I zoom in, I look around, but at the end of the day, I've preached 20 Christmas sermons, but really I've only And this is the message of Christmas. This is the one sermon I've preached every year. That this God who made this world saw it in all its brokenness because of sin and in order to fix it, he came down himself as a man to pay for our sins and give us life. That's the Christmas message. This is the sculpture we look at every year. And today I'm going to look at this from the angle of God's love. My wife and I watched the movie The Case for Christ this past week, which I definitely recommend. And uh, Lee Strobel, who was at the time an investigative reporter for the Chicago Tribune, is trying to see whether or not Christianity is true. And as just going to, as he, as he interviews different people about the death and resurrection of Jesus, he says to one man, he says, I have one lingering question about this. And his question was this, he says, why would he do it? Why would he do it? And the man turned to him and said, it's easy. It was love. And today, man, we see God's love as big as the world, as big as the world when we come to Christmas. So family, man, let's open our Bibles to the book of John. The book of John, chapter 1. I'm sorry, chapter 3 we're going to be at today. As you turn to the book of John, uh, there is a Bible in a chair in front of you. Um, Again, if you don't own a Bible, um, consider it our gift as a book to you. We'd love for you to take home that Bible in the chair in front of you if you don't own one. And we'd love for you to keep reading the story that I'm unpacking today. It is a beautiful one. The book of John was written by one of Jesus' apostles. John had one central focus. He tells us in chapter 20 and 21 that, He wants us to believe that Jesus came to die for us. He has one purpose, and that's that we would believe. He tells us in chapter 1, and we talked about this the previous three Sundays, that Jesus came as light into a dark world. He, He came as God in human flesh. If Jesus were not fully God, he could not forgive us of our sins. If Jesus were not fully man, he couldn't take our place. But he was fully God, fully man, came on this earth. And his ambition was to make God knowable and known to people like us. And in his journey, Jesus comes across in chapter 3, comes across a man by the name of Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a religious leader of the day who had many questions about Jesus. And so he comes to Jesus at night, most likely because he doesn't want people to see him coming during the daytime. He's trying to come under the cover of darkness, and he comes to Jesus asking questions, saying, "Hey, no one's ever done the kind of things you do." And Jesus responds to him, without responding to that thought, he says, "If anyone's to be born again, uh, if anyone is to, to believe in me, he must be born again to enter the kingdom of God." And Nicodemus is like, look at Jesus, I don't know how you could re-enter your mother's womb and be born all over again. And Jesus is probably looking at this guy like, are you kidding me? Like totally missed the metaphor here. And Jesus says, you must be born again. There must be a new you that happens. And Nicodemus is there exploring and seeking. And this may be where you're at today. Just like Nicodemus, you're seeking out what is Christmas all about? What is this Jesus all about? And what Jesus goes on to do, he quotes. He quotes. He says, the most popular verse in the Bible in response to this man who's searching, in John chapter three. I'm going to read verses 16 to 21. All right, would you follow along with me as I read here? John chapter three, verse 16. Jesus tells the man who is seeking this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only Son. That whoever believes, can you say the word believes? Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes, can you say believes? Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. Or indeed, Jesus is that light that God calls us to. Jesus says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus' arrival onto this earth makes God visible. He puts God's love on display. But Jesus' arrival also calls for a decision. So first, I want us to see how he puts God's love on display. And then I want us to see the kind of decision he calls for. He says, for God so loved the world. For God, God, God. It all begins with God. The universe began with God. And our redemption begins with God. He loved the world. and He doesn't love like we love. God's love is a perfect love. God's love is an unconditional love. God's love is a patient love. And God loved the world. And this is not the dirt and grass and trees he's talking about, but the world of people. It reminds me of a time when Jesus comes to the city of Jerusalem and he says he weeps over the city because of his love. Or when he sees a crowd of people following him, it says that he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. God's love is so beautiful, so amazing, so big and is as big as the world, and God so loved the world that He gave His Son. This past week, we got a great surprise here at the Brook. got a phone call from the alderman's office. Uh, We've built a great relationship with them over the years. and They called me and said, Hey, Pastor Eric, uh, we have a question for you. We were donated 40 toys, and we don't have anything to do with them. We, We don't have a way to do with them. So we thought we should give them to a church and see if they would distribute them to somebody. And everybody in the office said, how about the brook? Isn't that pretty cool? So they gave us a phone call. They asked and I said, sure, we'll take them. And they were donated by the Alliance of Hispanic Police Officers. And uh, they came and dropped off the toys at the brook. They said, hey, if you know of people who need toys, please distribute them. And we said, we'll gladly do our best to make that happen before Christmas. And there was a pastor down the street that I've gotten to know, I know is a wonderful man who loves his, his church. And he said there are two families in his church in particular that were struggling. And, um, and he came over to the brook here. He says, you know, they, they don't have Christmas gifts. Um, but this will, this will be their gift for their children. And so, man, praise the Lord. And, and he and I were talking. We we're saying, you know, we, we can say and we believe for sure that the gifts came from these generous police officers and we thank God for them. But he and I looked at each other and I said, but, but we know where these really came from. We know there's a God who loves us personally. But not only has he given us gifts on a Christmas morning, he's given us his very son. He's given us his very son, family. And we, we've got to keep this at the forefront of our mind. And what does it mean, though, that, that God gave his one and only son? How did he give him to us? Uh, let's not get too narrow in our perspective. He, he gave his son, Jesus, to mortality. Which means that now God, as a man, had the ability to die. He gave his son to that. He gave his son to a virgin and not a great king. He gave his son to a manger and not a throne. He gave his son to the world. He gave his son to be ridiculed. He gave his son to a cross to bear our sin. He gave his son to death and to a tomb. God gave His Son family, and then God raised His Son. See, this is this is what we must come to understand with Christmas. Let's not become so so nearsighted that when we see the manger, that's all we can see is a baby there, and we miss the cross. But let's not become so far-sighted that we look past the manger and only see the cross. We need some twenty twenty vision here. We need to relish in the beauty that God became a man and we need to marvel at the wonder that this God-man died for us. So at Christmas, we look at the manger and we see the cross and we see them together as one great, ambitious Christmas mission that God went on to save people. That's why I like to say Christmas starts it all, Good Friday bought it all, and Easter conquered it all. That's love as big as the world. Sometimes our kids will play this game. We'll say, "How much do you love me?" And we'll start going through all the things we love. We we'll say, "I love you more than coffee." That's my line. Or I love you more than peanut butter. Erica will say, "I love you more than Thai food." I love you more than swimming. I love you more than snuggling. I love you more than baseball. But you know, it gets real. When Levi says, I love you more than star blankie," right? Star blankie is the thing he needs. You know, when we think of love and we we think of of how we as humans love each other, we've got to understand, though, that our love pales in comparison to what God has demonstrated when he sent his son. God says, I love you this much, and this much is the world in all its brokenness, in all its corruption, in all the things in your and my heart, in your and my mind, God loves us with an unfailing kind of love. I love you more. Jesus says, for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. But Jesus' arrival not only demonstrates God's love, But Jesus' arrival, it also calls for a decision. It it begs the question, what will we do as we see the fact that God came to provide an answer to our sin problem? Jesus says, whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. See, the very fact that he says you will not perish means that those who do not believe in him will perish. And he's not speaking of earthly death here, family. One thing is for sure, all of us have got an expiration date. All of us. So Jesus isn't talking about our last breath, but he's saying perish in the sense of eternity. And apart from Jesus, we're separated from God in hell for eternity. But Jesus says through believing in him, we will not perish, but be with God and have eternal life. This is what God has offered to us. Jesus says in verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Not yet. He's coming as a judge. He's coming with a sword, but that's not the first coming. The first coming, he came, this reason, in order that the world might be saved through him. And so this time between Jesus' first coming and his second one is a time of God's grace to you and to me. And if you've been saved by him, would you worship in that wonder? And if you've yet to believe, don't waste any more time. He says, whoever believes in me. And I've talked with you guys before, and I need to say this again. The word believe is far more inclusive than simply acknowledging his existence. In fact, John uses the word believe 98 times in the book of John alone. 98 times, 5 times in this chapter of John 3 alone. I'm going to give you four things what believing means. And this is what I want for each of us this Christmas. This is what I pray that the Spirit of God would do in your heart if you've never believed in this way. John tells us in John 6.36 that believing is more than recognizing someone exists. John 6.36, Jesus says, But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. Jesus is like, you're looking at me. You're looking at me in my eyes, but you still don't believe in me. I know you know I exist because I'm standing in front of you, but you don't believe me. So it's more, number one, than acknowledging someone exists. Number two, believing entails acknowledging what Jesus taught and claimed to be is true. All right? There are many people who said that Jesus was a good teacher, but they don't believe everything he taught and claimed to be, and that's then not believing or what did Jesus claim? Well, hear this in John chapter six, verse sixty-nine. Jesus just told everybody, "I am the bread of life. If you want eternal life, you must eat of my flesh and drink of my blood." And people are like, "That's weird." But again, Jesus speaks in metaphors. And he says, basically, what he's telling them is, when I get to that cross, my flesh will be broken, my blood will be spilled, and if you want to know me, you must believe, you must taste, if you will, of my, my brokenness, my sacrifice for you. But many people didn't get it. And many, it says in verse 69 of John 6, it says, when many disciples were leaving Jesus, many of his disciples left him in that moment. They were leaving him because his teachings were too difficult. To swallow, perhaps that was pun intended. Jesus asked them. He says, "If they," he asked the, the disciples, the twelve of them. He says, "If they're going to go too," and then Peter says, "This, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. You are the Holy One. Believing," says Jesus. I hear what you're saying, and I believe all of it. I'm not picking and choosing, Jesus. I'm not just talking, I'm going to choose the good things you said when you, when you spoke against corruption, but I'm also going to choose to believe when you say that you are God. I'm not just going to believe when you say that you love us, but I'm going to believe when you tell me to turn away from my sin. All of it is entailed in believing not only is it recognizing He exists, not only is it acknowledge all that He claimed to be and taught is true, but thirdly, believing entails embracing the truth that Jesus came to die for you. For you. Not just that He died for sin, but He died for your sins. Jesus tells some skeptics in His day in John 8, 24, I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am He, the Son of God, you will die in your sins. The people needed to believe that Jesus came for them. And you must believe that if you are to be saved from your sin. The fourth thing that Jesus makes very clear is that believing entails obeying what Jesus taught. Jesus tells those who didn't believe, he says, You do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. So when Jesus says, for God so loved the world, the people, that he gave his only son that whosoever believes, not just whoever, but whoever believes will not perish and have eternal life. Believing means, yes, Jesus, you existed. Yes, Jesus, you claimed to be God. You taught that you came to die for me. I believe that. Yes, Jesus, you came and died for my sins. Yes, Jesus, I'm going to follow you and turn away from my sins. That's believing. That's what Jesus says. If you believe, you will not perish. That's why he came into the world. And that's why he brought you here today, if you've yet to believe this. Jesus says the alternative is walking in darkness. As was read earlier, Jesus didn't come to give us a holiday on Monday. Kids, Jesus didn't come to give you a winter break, although that's a huge plus of Christmas, isn't it? (laughs) he came to save his people from their sins. There's a theologian up in England. He says this, he says, Christmas is God lighting a candle. And you don't light a candle in a room that's already full of sunlight. You light a candle in a room that's so murky that the candle when lit reveals just how bad things really are when Jesus came to this world, his light shone and showed all of the brokenness that was here, guys. That light still shines into our hearts, revealing our need for him. But God did something about that. He gave his only son so that we, through believing in him, would not perish. Several years ago, there was an anonymous man who went to a Kmart in Fargo, South Dakota, North Dakota. North? All right, there we go. One of those, right? Let's put them all together and have it called Dakota, right? Um, this man came to this Kmart, and he went and saw all the toys that were on layaway, and he wrote a check to pay for the rest of the payments people had for their Christmas toys. And added up to about $2,000. And his focus was for toys, because he wanted to be a blessing to those for Christmas. Some of y'all are thinking, I can use some anonymous benefactoring right now in my life. Well, I could do better than that. There is one who is not anonymous, right? He came in obscurity, but he didn't come in anonymity. He's God. He's not simply a benefactor who's paying for a particular item, but he's one that came for all people. He's not just one to pay, pay a price tag of a couple grand but the price tag of your soul. He's a God who came down and said, you were stuck in your sin, you were lost, but I'm coming to do something about it. I am God in human flesh, and your bill is paid in full when you believe. God's love is as big as the world. And some of you just need to be reminded of that today as children of God, that your heavenly Father's love is perfect for you. And some of you need to believe that for the first time today, that God's love for you is perfect. It's perfect. It's the busiest travel season with departures and arrivals. But don't let the busyness crowd out that departure from heaven and arrival to this earth of the God-man. And though we are all terminally ill, spiritually speaking, there's one who took our baggage of sin. And his name is Jesus. Family, go forth today and let that light shine. Celebrate tomorrow with that hope. And believe with all your heart that Jesus Christ died for you. And know that for you then is promised the gift of eternal life. When you believe in that, you know that this is just the beginning. But that's the Christmas story. That's the sculpture. That's the perspective. And let's not lose it. Let's not forget it. That baby was in a manger, but he, died. he he would grow up to be the God, or grow as the God-man and grow and live a perfect life to step in our place on that cross to give us eternal life. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. Let's pray.